Oh, look at Sammy bringing it all the way back around. If you were listening earlier in the program, you know that uh, Sweet Home Alabama, one of the only good things to come out of Alabama, and the texter who, uh, who was mad that I made fun of Alabama now has to type again, which is going to throw them way off. Brian Noonan, 720 WGN. It is, uh, as we do on this program, I like, one, you know I like to talk about beer. Two, I love stories where somebody is doing something and has a dream and then follows that dream. That's, that's uh, something that I, unfor- you know, I love, and sometimes I'm uh, too afraid to do myself, but I like hearing and uh, seeing and uh, spotlighting the stories of others. Brad Zeller is here. He is one of the founders of Aleman Brewing in Chicago. Uh, you can go to alemanchicago.com to get all their information. So welcome. First of all, I'm glad to have you. Thanks for having me. So I am... Uh, a lot of a lot of times, some of the the brewers that I've talked to in the past, when they started brewing, they were in completely different fields before they went into brewing. You were kind of involved in beer in a way before you and uh, your buddies started Aleman, right? We're all bar guys, I okay, mean, and that's the sensibility we bring to our beer. I think that to understand what customers are drinking and responding positively or negatively to, it absolutely kind of affects how you approach recipe building and what goes into to the bottle or glass. So uh, we all still kind of side hustle at bar yeah. gigs, but that's uh, that's definitely who we are. So when when you're, and we'll get to the origins of how Aleman came to be, but once you start and you're, you mentioned, all right, we're trying to, f- we're seeing what customers like to drink. So as you're coming up with your recipes, there's got to be one eye on what's happening now, but it, the other eye has to be looking forward to what you think is going to be next, right? Yeah, and luckily we're such a small brewery that we can stay pretty nimble and yeah. you know, reactionary to what's coming up. But uh, I don't think anybody knows exactly what's coming up. I think you can only kind of stay true to what you know you love doing and you know do the best to kind of stay up on industry stuff and talk to other brewers and find out what gets them excited and uh, just cross your fingers and hope for the best. Well, let's go back to the beginning. So you and you and uh, one of your friends, one of the other co-founders, are working together at Rockwell's, and you're working on their craft their craft beer menu, and, and people are getting excited about craft beer, and they have been for a long time. So how does the idea then to say, you know what, we we need we know about beer. Let's start let's start doing something on our own. How does this all happen? Well, I think it was almost yeah. We by tasting all these other beers, found out how much we didn't know about beer. Okay. And you start to get that itch to learn more about what goes into that glass. So, you know, you kind of start reading some books and you pick up a, a dummy kit from the Brew and Grow and you, you make a batch of terrible beer and then <laughs> you follow that up with a few more terrible batches of beer. Mm-hmm. But uh, we had kind of a thirst for knowledge and a group of people that were so enthusiastic about it that it wasn't even about the drinking the final result as yeah. it was expectation, delivery, washer and repeat, trying to nail something that we set out to nail. And when you're first starting those first batches, is there is there a style you're looking for? Or are you just like, let's put everything together and see what comes out? I mean, I think 90% of home brewers or hobbyists out there brew some form of clone, insert your favorite pale ale here. Okay. <laughs> you, know, uh, you can Google a, a Lagunitas little something-something clone and okay. kind of go from there. Um, we did at least dive in. Uh, full on, we did ex- uh, skipped ex- extract brewing and did all grain. So, explain uh, the difference. Yeah, extract is basically taking all the sugars that you would get from the grains and 
giving them to you in an easy to use hydrate and boil form okay. versus all grain you're actually taking the barley and converting the sugars yourself okay uh, so one is, sound, that sounds a little more difficult absolutely well it's uh, or a lot more difficult <laughs> just more intensive and it requires okay. a different level of understanding and there are a host of decisions that you can make prior to that point you're getting the same sugar on the other side but there's a host of uh, decisions that you make prior to that point that will affect the ultimate beer. Okay, and so now, so you're you're doing some home brews, and there was a turning point where one of your beers you entered it in a contest, right? Absolutely, we never we had never entered beer into competition. That's not wasn't our mo. Right, but we had a a friend who was in the business and had tasted a few of our beers and said, "Hey, there's this coming up. Get a couple of bottles in." And so, what the heck? We entered a entered in the competition at that point as as heavy hand. That was our our private party bartending okay. business. We uh, were just still kind of having fun experimenting and toying with different flavors. But right. we entered our coffee IPA, okay. uh, and we were fortunate enough to win. It was co sponsored by Stone and Two Brothers with uh, Randy Mosier from Five Rabbit, also wow, okay. one of the the lead judges. And so, um, there were. Two rounds of of judging, you know, it was okay. We have X amount of entries. You guys are the final thirty, and had a big party, and uh, was wow. judged on site, and we're fortunate enough to to win. And we wouldn't be here without that beer and that competition. Wow, that's amazing. Now, how far into the process did this happen? How long had you guys been messing around with the home brews and and coming up, uh, you know, thinking of the idea that you wanted to do this on your own? I'd say the better part of 18 months okay um where that you know, seems you talk that about, seems pretty quick sure. to be honest uh which is nice but we think about it in terms of logging hours yeah so, <laughs> oh, sure 18 months of yeah. non-stop oh, i've, brewed, <laughs> I've home, been home brewing for 20 years well how often do you brew ah maybe once every three four like, right we're brewing every week yeah religiously you log a lot of hours really quick when you're home brewing like that how long does a batch take uh no different, really, than what we're doing commercially. Okay. So it takes a, a short afternoon to, to brew and then better part of two weeks to ferment. And okay. just depending on whether you want to dry hop or do any extra conditioning, um, obviously depends on style and things like that, how well you can control your, your temperature. But uh, generally from when you're brewing it to when you're finally drinking it, um, three to four weeks. Now, when you're home brewing, the setup, you, you're Stuck with the one batch for a while, right? Unless you got a couple different kits going. Sure. Uh, luckily, we had a, a few different fermenters yeah. uh, or uh, carboys at that point, just a sanitary glass vessel with an airlock on it. Oh, okay. um, so we were able to, to have multiple batches going at the same time. Obviously, if it takes four weeks to make and we're brewing every week. Right. Yeah, yeah, the yeah math doesn't add going. up there. But uh, yeah, it was just about trying to, to see what's next and what's next and taking diligent notes and... Uh, trying to figure out how to get that same beer dialed in as consistently as possible. Do do any of you, and this might be a crazy question, do any of you have like chemistry background? Do you have to have some sort of chemistry background or a science background? Or if you read enough and experiment enough, can you can you get it kind of on your own? Not to become a, a professional brewery, sure. but to make pretty good stuff at home. I think more than anything, we embrace... Learn by doing. Okay. Um, there's, you know, book smarts, there's street smarts. I don't know if you want to make it that crude of a, of a separation, but if you have a, a willingness to do the work right. and pay attention, 
You know, I feel like you could hire a good person and train them to do almost any job versus hiring a person who's specifically trained for that job. And we just fall in the former. We, we all just figure, let's try and fail. And so long as we learn from when we fail, then we're totally fine with that outcome. So the coffee IPA that won you the contest, that, that was the turning point, as you said, was that, uh, was that something that happened? Uh, had, is this one that you had been working on for the entire 18 months, or is this one that you had tried a bunch of different ones and you had an IPA and then, oh, maybe we infuse some coffee into this, and then they took it to a next level where you were confident enough to say, yeah, this is the beer that we, we want to enter into a contest. That was lightning in a bottle. That oh, yeah. was the, the beer that we entered into the initial round of judging was the first time we brewed it. The version that we entered into the final round was the second time. And wow. Obviously, you make minor tweaks and, and right. things like that, but we, we didn't even know outside of we just need to recreate this beer. We weren't in the business. So you knew when you tasted it. Wow, we this one's pretty good. This yeah. is this is one that we like. I mean, sometimes you're inspired by a beer that's fantastic. Other times you're inspired by a beer that's terrible. And so this was having somebody else's pale coffee beer and thinking, man, these two flavors should be so much better. Yeah, and trying to want to elevate that. So, uh, you know, we we knew that the two worked together, and we just were in a fortunate position where uh, two brothers had just started coffee roasting and. I think they were not to say that that lends it to what wins, but they're really jazzed on coffee at this yeah. particular moment and are going to be far more receptive. You know, we all kind of go through cycles and our biases sure. change. And um, so just uh, right place, right time, right beer, Stone being a very hot forward brewery, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to probably be predisposed to enjoy a good hoppy beer. And uh, I think it just really blew their socks off. That's excellent. Brad Zeller's my guest. He is one of the founders of Aleman Brewing. AlemanChicago.com is the website. Aleman is going to be at the Chicago Ale Fest coming up June 1st in uh, Millennium Park. You can go to Chicago Ale Fest and find out all about that. We're going to talk more about uh, how the brewery came to be, and we're going to talk some, uh, obviously, about the beers that Aleman puts out. We'll do all of that on the other side. It's 720 WGN. Breaking into the top uh, top 15, Nirvana, coming in at number 14 on the Memorial Day 500 that if you're just joining us, we're not really doing. So don't panic. You didn't miss all the other songs. Uh, Brad Zeller is with me. He is one of the founders of Aleman Brewing in Chicago. AlemanChicago.com is their website. Um, let's go from you guys were draft only at first. So Aleman starts, and you've, you've got, first of all, we'll backtrack a little. You're coming up, you're deciding, okay, we're starting this brewery. We did really well with our coffee IPA. That got us That got us noticed. Things are starting to go out. How do you decide then what are going to be your pillar beers? Because every brewery has, you know, these are the ones we make all the time. This is what we're known for. What are those beers for Mailman, and how did you decide that these are going to be your foundations? Well, I think that's kind of quintessentially one of the best arguments for core beers. Um, they're beers that have stories behind them. Not to say that every new beer that comes out doesn't come from an interesting place or can't have something neat associated with it. But for us, our core beers are the beers that kind of fundamentally, you know, so ladies, man, it's our farmhouse wit. It was one of the beers that we brewed for my partner, Nate and Sarah's wedding. We brewed his beer or her beer in lieu of a unity candle. We blend the two together during their ceremony. Cheers. We're married. It's a great story. That's a beer that couldn't be closer to our hearts. So versus some of the beers that we put out now, you know, you're 
you're putting out what's fun because if it's not fun to brew, it's not going to be fun to drink, but you can't kind of replicate just how close to the heart you feel those right. core beers. So, you know, as we're churning through all these recipes, these were the ones that just kind of really, really stuck with us. Um, whether it was the first time we tried a new technique or a new hop or a new whatever, where some sort of light bulb went off, these are the beers. So, so ladies, uh, man is the, is the, uh, the wit. And that's the the great story. Your other core beers are Strongman. What is Strongman? Strongman is a, a strong ale uh, with rye, caraway, and maple sugar. Oh, uh, so going after a nice big hop profile, but also kind of like some rye bread notes. Okay, um, so it's drinks with hints of barley wine, but maybe just a barley wine light, so to speak. And the man is the third core beer. The man is effectively day man without the coffee it has gone through a host of iterations since then where that's maybe not the case but uh in its inception um day man almost predated the man ah Uh, whereas day man will always be in the collaborative sphere and we're happy for that to be the case sure uh it was just such a solid recipe that's now our core ipa and the fourth core beer that we are actually trying here is Soul Man. And I am a big brown uh, brown ale and uh, stouts, all those. So explain what Soul Man is to all of us. So this is our brown ale. You know, we like big hoppy beers, and that tends to dominate the market. But if you're asking me honestly, something yeah. rich and malty and satisfying is is yeah. what I'm going to go to more often than not. And so this was a, a Partigal brew where... You actually split the runoff from your wort into the kind of richer sugar dense and then the lighter and made two beers out of those. So Soul Man was the the richer, more sugar dense. Uh, We actually built the salted caramel for the beer just in a small pot on the side. And it just felt like that added a a layer of complexity to an otherwise straightforward brown recipe. And, uh, you know, just is something that... We kept going back to for one reason or another. We, yeah, whereas light, Dayman was lightning in a bottle, this was kind of painstaking development over batches and batches and batches. So that's kind of the the reward for this beer for us. Yeah, no, it's it's really good. I like the maltiness. I like the caramel in there. It's very good. Yeah, people think caramel; they think sweet. Right. Caramel actually is a simple sugar source that just dries the beer out. And uh, for us, it's come winter. We do a lot this more is, of it, but I could drink it when it's 100 degrees outside. Yeah, I don't, I, you know, I'm not a big uh, stickler for that. Oh, it's summer. You should only drink IPAs or this. Uh, no, if you drink what you like. Yeah. You know, there's nothing nothing wrong with that. You only eat chili in December? No. No. So let's go back. There are a couple things before I let you go. Um, let's go back to, at first you were just doing a draft profile. Everything, you know, you were selling to, you were doing your tap room, you are doing all that. How do you decide then... To go into canning, I mean, it makes sense. You want to? Is the bottom line just you want it to be more accessible to everybody? Is that the? That's kind of the decision. So we didn't even have a tap room. We had a, a production facility okay. that was affordable and clean and served our purposes. Okay. We were draft only, kind of utilizing our connections within the industry, okay. having worked and being fluent in that language, being able to walk in and talk to people, um, not just "Hey, here's my beer, buy it," but I understand weekly budgets and the confines of your specific arrangement. Um, So as a small business, you have a finite number of resources and you got to allocate how to spend them. So we kind of squirreled away some, some acorns and it was canning line. It's tap room. And for us being able to get beer into more places and be more visible, 
that was more important than opening a tap room. Yeah. So that's kind of the the impetus behind that decision. And, um, you know, we hope to sell a few more cans and get into that tap room there soon enough, go. but... But One right step now, at a time. People can find it. People can find it. Uh, the hand. The if you go into a bar, you'll recognize the Aleman taps pretty, pretty easily. And that's what I want to get because I'm sure there's people going, "Why is it all man? Why is it all?" Man? I love the explanation of what an ale man is. It's it's not a male figure. No, absolutely not. It's uh, a man as one who does. You know, man, woman, human ailment. It's on every can, and some could see that as a. A cheap slogan, but that couldn't be more foundational yeah. to how we approach it. Uh, so, this idea of a return to Renaissance, where people actually did things with their hands—you know, whether it's the the lemon time that goes into the ladies' man that we actually grow behind the brewery—and learning about kind of urban gardening techniques to making the caramel for the soul man—to we help start a small hop farm down uh, in Crete, Illinois just getting your hands on things and learning by doing so this kind of man is one who does we've kind of intentionally built our branding around that not as a, a gendered thing just right. as a person who specializes and toils in pursuit of something and i love the tiki-esque look of the of the logo and the the wood carved handles if you see if you see ale man on tap somewhere you're going like i said you're going to recognize that that look right away. Sure. We've tried to keep our branding very simple and kind of template-based so that when you see an Aleman beer, you know it. The tap handles are all coming from one of my good high school buddies, and he carves them all by hand. Uh, so we've tried to mimic the graphic with the physical as just kind of that last point-of-sale piece before somebody decides what beer to buy. Perfect. That's the last thing they're looking at. Well, again, if you want to learn more about Aleman, go to alemanchicago.com. Brad, congratulations on the success so far. Keep it up. You can look for Aleman if you are going to the Chicago Ale Fest in Grand Park on June 1st. Look for Aleman there at all the all the festivals all over, which is always very important. Too many. Get the word out. And uh, are, your, are your partners going to be mad that you didn't mention any of their names? Nope. Okay. Well, they could have been here. They could. That's right. The invitation was for everybody. So as far as I'm concerned, Brad Zeller is the mind behind Aleman, and uh, he did it all by himself. I appreciate it, bro. All right. Take care. Again, ailmanchicago.com. News after this, WGN.